It's the Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast, featuring stories of royals, scandals, and true crime. Here are your hosts, Carrie and Larissa. Hi, welcome to Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast. I am Carrie. And I am Larissa. Wow, you sound amazing. You might sound a little <laughs> like a 900 operator, but that's good. Hello. Hi. What would you like today? <laughs> we have so many stories, so let's just get to it. I don't have a good segue. So for a small yeah, talk. Just, it's a lot of it's a lot of mishmash today, but we're gonna cover it all for you, people. New headline out today is mystery over Princess Charlene's whereabouts. Prince Albert admits his wife is not in Monaco and is recovering from a fatigue that is not just physical in a secret location following her return from South Africa. Does this mean mental fatigue? What is causing her to be so fatigued? I know she had, I'm telling you, I think this girl has a lot going on and I think she's more sick, (laughs) whether she's sick of royalty or whether she's like has cancer or something, something is going on. I think so too. Just to catch you up, a couple things happened in the news since she was down in South Africa. I did read some of the gossip out of that's translated out of Monaco, and apparently she didn't assimilate well the language. She was getting into plastic surgery and medication and all kinds of stuff. While she was away, he went to an, the Red Cross ball with uh-huh. one of his baby's mamas. The one of the oh, 18 year old. I did see that. And yes. then he was mad that she gave a tell all interview saying Princess Charlene tried to put her son in a different wing and all this stuff. And he was oh. not mad. He was very mad about that. He was mad at the baby mama. Yes. Yeah. The flight. Yes. But that does look a little suspect that he accompanied her. Yeah. So why would he take her to the ball? So he was upset that she went to the press yes. and squealed on Charlene, but he yep. still took her to the Red Cross ball. Yes. They've done a couple other events too. By the way, if your spouse is gone, you don't have to bring a date. Okay. Yeah. Just saying you can go by yourself or bring, or bring your niece. Like he has plenty of them. Bring your sister. Yes. But I just thought that was really suspect, but, and that wasn't the first and only event while she was gone. She comes back. The body language people said she was super desperate. There was no, nothing on his side. Mm-hmm. She just seemed very assured. She dropped a lot of weight. So she's going to be wearing a lot of baggy clothes. And I think the little girl is more angry as well. There isn't like mm-hmm. a connection there, which granted they're in front of cameras. Like, what do you expect? You know, it's, it's a little, she's been gone since January. Wow. But she's not living in the palace, right? No, the sister-in-law came out and said that she was staying above like a chocolate shop in Monaco, but now they're not even revealing where she is. Do you think she's in maybe like a rehab center, maybe mental health or? Maybe, but I have to say that's not a bad location above a chocolate shop. I think I know that. In Monaco of all places. Way more than a palace. My God, the best chocolate in the, well, actually Brussels has the best chocolate in the world, but (laughs) Monaco will do. Um, Yeah, something is going on. I just hope the next headline we get isn't, you know, she takes her own life or something is really amiss. I totally agree. But in this case, I am kind of keeping up our tabs, but I'm not, I'm not going mm-hmm. for her or trying to judge her like I do no. our other, our other we're M&M. Gonna to, we're going to have to sit on this one and wait on it. 
So I have a little update on the Gabby Petito case. Obviously this happened a few weeks ago, but they did find Brian Laundrie's body in the Carlton Reserve. They found a notebook and some of his belongings also, I believe. This was such a difficult investigation because of how badly decomposed the remains were. An anthropologist says he killed himself with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. It turns out when all these demonstrators were at the laundry house demanding Brian tell police what he knew about Gabby. Speak now. It's just going to get worse. Brian was potentially already dead. What I found really weird about this is that his parents didn't help in the search from the beginning. They helped one day. So this search has been going on, you know, for five, six weeks. And the authorities are getting ready to leave the Carlton Reserve now because they're just like, we're not finding anything. The parents actually tell the authorities, we're going to come back and help you search. This is literally a couple days before they're getting ready to leave the reserve. They go in and right off the bat, about two miles into the reserve, his parents come across his belongings, not just come across them. They pick up the belonging and they take it to the authorities and they say, hey, this is Brian's. This is what we found. How does that happen? They've been searching this reserve for for weeks and all of a sudden the parents come back to join the search and they just happen to run across something and bring it to the authorities. And sure enough, that's where his body is at. I mean, this just seems so weird. And I don't know if they'll ever get to the bottom of this. And I don't know if they'll ever find out if the parents truly helped him or how they helped him. But this is just a messed up case. And if I were Gabby's parents, I'd just be on pins and needles trying to figure out what happened and what's in the notebook, by the way. So you think that it was somebody else's body? I don't know if it was someone else's body, but you know, I don't know. That's crossed my mind. I I just don't know. I don't know if it's someone else's body or. I have two thoughts on this one. I do see the irony of it and maybe they kind of knew a little bit more where he was camping or his campsite. I wonder where they would have gotten a body if they switched it. I know they said it was advanced decomposition, but it's Florida in the Everglades, right? Yeah. You have animals, you have that moisture. I think things do disintegrate sooner, but I don't know. Cause I'm not, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit rusty on my forensic files, to be honest with you. I've been a little oh remiss. Oh my God, told you to read those books and take the classes. (laughs) No, you know what the weird thing is though? I mean, dental records will always tell the truth. Yes. I mean, I don't think they would be able to do dental work on a corpse to match. I mean, I I do believe he's probably dead. I I believe that's his body. And I'm really curious to see what's in that notebook. I, I would be more curious to see what's in the notebook if I were his, her parents to see if he had a confession in there if he had any remorse, anything that would kind of give me some closure. I agree. I also think he w- was having some mental health issues too. So I yes. think he might've been in some sort of psychosis, but I do see the irony. I don't blame people for thinking something suspect about it. Well, they told them to search there before and they said it, it, that place had been underwater before, but if the authorities knew that that was a place his parents had told them to search when they go back in the reserve, I would think that's going to be the first place they go to. But yeah, it's just me. I don't know. It's just me playing Doug the Bounty Hunter in my free time. <laughs> I wonder if he was salty that he's not the one that found it. Oh, God, you know he was salty. Can you believe the 
amount of business that would have brought for him. Like, oh my God, <laughs> dog's rock star again. He can find anyone. Let's go. Speaking of famous people who are on trial, actually, we weren't speaking about famous people on trial, but I have a little update, a little investigating on the Elizabeth Holmes trial. And apparently they are having some juror problems. They are running out of jurors, by the way. They don't have enough jurors because everyone's getting booted off, booted off the trial. One woman was like, I'm not making enough on this. I can't afford to take, take time off work. Okay. See ya. Next woman. Oh, I'm a Buddhist. This just doesn't really go with my Buddhism beliefs. And I don't know if I can actually see this woman in jail. See ya. And then one woman was playing Sudoku during the trial. And so they're like, Hey lady, uh, we're sorry, but you, you can't, play games while you're listening to testimonies so you're gonna have to leave so now they're they're down to like two left i don't know i mean well at what point does this become a mistrial if they run out of jurors does it become a mistrial yeah yeah i believe so that's crazy if she gets off completely i'm gonna be like there is some sexism and now they're saying that since she has a child it's gonna be really hard for her to get what i said i said she had a baby to look more maternal get rid of mm-hmm. the, you know, the low voice and all that and yeah. appeal to the jurors. Cause nobody wants to send a new mom away. No, it happens in jail, but we have some breaking news. We want to get to out of California concerns the Elizabeth Holmes trial. The verdict is in the disgraced Theranos founder and CEO found guilty on four of 11 counts in her landmark Silicon Valley fraud case. The jury reaching a verdict just moments ago after seven days of deliberations. NBC News senior business reporter Ben Popkin joins us now live. Ben, so break it down for us. It seems here the jury sided with the prosecutors in believing that that Elizabeth misled investors when she was running Theranos. Right. We're looking at a split verdict here, and we are getting four counts guilty, four counts not guilty, three no decision in the Holmes case. Uh, when you start to look at the pattern of why she's found guilty, not guilty on conspiracy to commit wire fraud, only one of those she was found guilty on. Uh, several of the counts where she was accused of defrauding investors, uh, there was no verdict given. In, in three of those, that could be a potential a mistrial on those counts, uh, which could lay the basis for an, uh, a further trial on those. But she was found guilty on counts six, seven, and eight. And these were uh, where she was defrauding investors for uh, uh, ten, for uh, nearly over a hundred thousand dollars, including a firm connected to former Secretary of Education uh, Family Office Betsy DeVos. But she was not found guilty on defrauding patients or wire fraud in connection with. Uh, purchasing advertisements to promote her firm. Speaking of low voice, I'm just throwing this out there. I think Meghan Markle's voice is getting lower. I saw an interview with her the other day, well, the Ellen piece, and her voice is really, it's dangerously Elizabeth Holmes low. And her outfits are too. I think she's going to run for public office in the future. Oh, I think 100%. I just don't like when she calls be a politician. Up, when she calls up politicians to influence American policy and she uses her British title. I think it's super yeah. anti-American and your title doesn't mean anything here and you're not supposed to politicize that title. She needs to ditch the title. If she's going to go for politics in the US, you need to ditch the title sister, ditch that title now. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Speaking of juries, did you see that? Do you remember the suitcase murder? In the Thai prison, yes, Heather Mack. Yes, yes. So she, her and her boyfriend 
her mom was like a millionaire, I think from Chicago or Illinois, took her, her like 18 year old daughter. She was like a teenager to Thailand because she didn't agree. She had some outbursts. There was some police reports prior that she hit her mom and stuff. Super spoiled. She tried to take the girl with her boyfriend to Thailand, even though she didn't agree with who she was dating, treated them to this trip so she could get along, you know, or kiss her ass or whatever. They hit her in the head with an ashtray and then stuffed her body into a suitcase and she was pregnant. Wait, the mom? They they killed the mom? Yeah, and they stuffed... No, the kids killed the mom. What? Stuffed with a gold ashtray, stuffed her body in a suitcase that was covered with blood. She's obviously dripping blood. They both get caught. He gets like 20 years. She gets like eight or 10. She has the baby in jail. Baby goes to like some foster family. I don't know. Either way, she's in, she's in East Asia. Okay. I'm going to have mm-hmm. to look up that. She gets out of prison. She, they basically, they deport her the same day. She originally wanted to leave her daughter there to take mm-hmm. some time before taking her back here. The mom's family doesn't believe that she should benefit from her estate. Like, why should she get the inheritance? Yeah. And the boyfriend's still in prison. We start with breaking news, a very bizarre story that continues to take twist. In the past hour, we've learned the U.S. Attorney's Office issued new charges against Oak Park native Heather Mack and her boyfriend Tommy Schaefer in the 2014 murder of her mother. They are now charged with conspiracy and obstruction of justice. Now, Mack was arrested as she got off a plane at O'Hare Airport this morning. The charges actually stem from a sealed 2017 federal indictment. Max served seven years in prison after being convicted in Indonesia, Indonesia of helping Schaefer kill her mother, Sheila Von Weiss, Mac, back on vacation in Bali. The couple stuffed Von Weiss, Mac's body in a suitcase and left it in the trunk of a taxi. Schaefer is still imprisoned in Indonesia, serving an 18-year sentence for murder. Mac's lawyer says this should not be happening. And Heather has already faced a legitimate trial in Indonesia that included evidence that was assisted by the FBI in front of a three-judge panel. This was not a kangaroo court in Indonesia. Heather was 18 at the time of this alleged crime. She was sentenced, I believe, almost 10 years in jail. She served six. She's done her time. Family fought, and now the money's in trust for the baby, which is basically the same thing. She has access to it. All right, so you know missing people are my thing, right? Yes. Which you can't lose too much weight because if you go missing, we won't know who you are. <laughs> don't lose anymore because you already look good. I need to get wait on that note. I need to give you access to my favorite photos and videos. So if I do go missing and they do a dateline, you're going to have the cream of the crop of me. Not Please do. Put on the Google Drive. Where yeah. I have no makeup on. Yeah. Okay. I just want everyone, you and Jody. we need to make a pact. Yeah. Because if you left it to my husband, he'd be like, oh, here's this one where she was in a high school play or, you know, like. Oh, me too. Mine would be the worst of the worst. Yeah, no, we got to like, you have to like organize your own clips. Anyway, go ahead. So I joined a missing, not a missing because I am obsessed with missing. I am in missing pages, but I also follow one for like unidentified Jane's and John Doe's because I'm very fascinated how Ancestry.com and 23andMe and all these companies are basically like crime fighting now. Yeah. Which by the way, if you're a minority and you're listening, please, please participate because you are evidently, according to Paul Holes, they actually have the lowest rate of DNA submittals for their Ancestry. And so they're hoping to encourage more uh, minorities and you might actually help solve. Yeah. 
a missing unidentified Jane or John Doe. Mm-hmm. Or I've gone through the database of, I think it's CODIS. If you have a body part and it washes up on shore or anything like that, they have to put it, log it in there. Wow. So you go through and you, I did not realize how many body parts wash up on shore. Oh, just parts. Yeah. Just the parts. Oh God. And like, it's legit CODIS. You go on there and you're like, oh, a, a hand. Namus or CODIS or one of those, but yeah, you can go in there and they're just missing parts. Where do the most parts wash up on the East coast? Yeah, West coast? I see a lot of East coast, but it's all over, even in the Gulf of Mexico. We begin tonight with a mystery unfolding on a BC beach. A human foot has once again been discovered. Every time a case like this happens, it gets plenty of attention and sparks plenty of speculation. But as CTV's Penny Daflos reports, the coroner service suspects the explanation this time will be a familiar one. Botanical Beach on the west coast of Vancouver Island is a remote but stunning area of the province. It's also where hikers made a stomach-turning discovery on Sunday. There was a foot, uh, what appeared at that point to be a foot, in a sock, in a running shoe. It's the 13th foot found in British Columbia since 2007. This is where it was floating just before the bridge right up here. From False Creek to Richmond to the Gulf Islands, the feet made headlines and prompted wild theories about their origins. Now you also have to consider whether or not this could be a serial killer, somebody who right now is underneath the radar. But physical anthropologists cautioned that while the spate of discoveries was new and startling, public awareness could have prompted people to pay attention to stray running shoes. It does happen um, on other coastlines around the world. It's not unusual. Ultimately, the mystery was solved after years of forensic work and combing through missing persons reports. Ten of the 12 had been identified. These were all either accidental or unfortunate suicide deaths, all of them. The coroner's service expects the latest mystery foot will have a similar explanation. They've already teamed up with the RCMP's missing persons unit. Chill, darling. Still too early to go to Tiffany's. I guess the next best thing is a drink. never be the woman with the perfect hair who can wear white and not spill on it. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Let's play a game, all right? On the count of three, name your favorite dinosaur. Don't even think about it, just name it. Ready? One, two, three. Hey, it's me again, and you thought you probably had enough of my voice by now. Just a quick reminder to find us and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Miss Intrigue Pod. Follow us on Pinterest and Flipboard, where we collect featured stories from across the internet of royalty, chronicles of interesting events in history, and of course, true crime. Lastly, check out our YouTube channel, because everyone has one, right? That features playlists of documentaries and other related segments from our podcast topics. And if you want to hit us up, check out MissDeedsAndIntriguePodcast.com. But we don't have a complaints department, just to give you a little heads up. The podcaster or authors assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. 
The information contained on this podcast is an as-is basis with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. A reasonable amount of effort was made to deliver precise data. All views expressed by the podcast hosts or guest co-hosts are their own and do not necessarily represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which Carrie, Misdeeds, or Intrigue Podcast, or Larissa have been, am now, or will be affiliated. The content of this podcast is for personal, informational, and entertainment purposes only and is not to be viewed for commercial use. Misdeeds and Intrigue Podcast respects the intellectual property of others. Any audio clips that were not generated by the podcast host or producer was pulled from the public domain, free use sites, and or from YouTube or other authorized sites to gather information. The utmost effort was made to credit the author and or production. If at any time you feel that copyright was infringed, please email Carrie at misdeedsandintriguepodcast.com and immediate action will be taken to remove the audio clips that were present for entertainment purposes only.